You're listening to the Buffalo Podcast, where you will hear us dissect literature and make connections to today's ever-changing world. This is episode 15. We are Shade, Alex, Kylie, Sam, and this unit text was Hamlet by William Shakespeare. Throughout this unit, we discussed how critical theories were presented throughout each act. Okay, so on first hand, when I heard about this play, I thought it was going to be boring, but it was really interesting because all the drama. Um, what I got from the overall play itself, it was trying to gain something when you're losing or lost something, whether it's life, sanity, dignity, or trust. And the critical theories were all presented throughout the acts, which were existentialism, historicism, Marxism, psychoanalytical, and gender. So, which one did you see the most throughout the play? Um, throughout the act, well, throughout the whole play, I've seen mostly existentialism as well as gender and um, psychoanalytic. Um, there was like a tab of Marxism, like because that dealt with power. And um, after the after the king died, Claudius took his um, took his place and the which power was that his he own had. brother. He yes, yes. He his own brother for power. Um, I pretty much agree with Shane. That most dominant was just socialism and gender. In regards to gender, Gertrude. Gertrude. Gertrude and Ophelia were uh, uh, mainly the female characters and they couldn't, I feel like they couldn't really think for themselves and they had to do whatever the male figures wanted them to do. It's funny you said that because right when uh, Gertrude did not listen to her husband, she ends up dying, which was because she drank the poison that was meant for him. What a shame. Um, I feel like it was a way that Shakespeare wanted the audience to know that back in the days, maybe um, females were regarded as making bad choices. Bad decisions. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And also, for, for Angelica, I would say, for how like, draw the story against by like, what happened. All you were thinking about was like just committing suicide and just yeah. get, getting over it. And also, just like Ophelia. Yes. Was like lost, lost her father. Yeah. She also got crazy. Had the same thought, so it kind of keeps on repeating. Well, what I understand about this play, all the characters are alike, but they may go through this, like they're going through the same thing, but just they handle it differently. Yeah. So, like in, like in Hamlet's case, mm-hmm. like he focuses more in he falls under like psychoanalytic because he had a strong desire of yes. revenge because of. His um, yeah, his father's death, knowing that his uncle killed his father and then married his mother. So it's like he had a strong desire. Yes, and like what I said before, they're all alike. Laertes is going through the same thing. Laertes and Ophelia, because their father was murdered. Mm-hmm. And then on Laertes' end, he lost his father okay. and his sister. So that I think he had a stronger desire for revenge, just like Hamlet. Right? Um, Ophelia and Hamlet share the same experience, mm-hmm. and the fact that they both lost on um, a really important people in their life, and throughout the whole play, um, Shakespeare um, presented Hamlet and Ophelia as being bad or being crazy, you know what I'm saying? But Hamlet really just faked up famous manners in a way to seek revenge and trade home. Um, 
not really displaying his real intentions. Really but for Vila, it was actual insanity. And she felt like the only way to deal with it was to commit suicide. And that leads me to the question if you guys would think there was a different way that Vila could have handled that madness. Um, I don't think so. Because being that Lurtes and her father, Polonius, were the only male figures in her life, she didn't have a mother figure. So she just did what they said. So without them, she wouldn't know what to do, and she's usually a calm character. Um, so it's like all this anger and worry build up to the point where you just want to get over it and kill yourself. So. Well, actually, she could have like just grieved. She would have grieved. She would have grieved. But Kylie, just because not having a mother is really difficult. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and she could. Oh, it leads you to make like some bad decisions that are gonna feel like doing it. So she could agree, but she, in the end she wouldn't get what she wanted, which was Hamlet, because he ended up dying. Yeah. So at this point, like I said before, she couldn't, she didn't really take care of herself. She had people to do it for her. So it's just like, why am I here? And that leads with to existential. So. Oh, and one thing that I realized is if she had a mother, she wouldn't have really got along with the plot that. Mm -hmm. The plot of killing herself, right? Hello. Okay. I have a question about this, about this theory. You see, like, throughout the story, Shakespeare kind of like, he paints Philly and Hamlet like, in totally different ways. Was it like, purposefully or just? Um, you said purposefully or? Okay. I think it was purposefully because it just shows us that we're all the same, mm -hmm. but different. Yeah. When I say all the same, we can go through the same exact thing. Like they both lost their fathers, but they handled it differently. Mm -hmm. Hamlet wanted to murder the person who murdered his father. Ophelia cried. She was going insane by reciting songs that dealt or related to. This, yes, but she just ended up killing herself, not killing the person who did it, which was her lover. So I. If she found out about that, oh, oh she would have let's, like, let's see how that would play out. Crazy. Mm -hmm. And would you also say this is kind of related to gender, where like Shakespeare kind of paints the, like the female as a weak character, and the male as like a very strong character since they overcame the grief in the female couldn't. I think it's just so weak because Hamlet had the desire to fight, and normally in this era, women never used to fight, they usually cried. Cry. That's what she, she, I mean, she cried for a little bit. Mm -hmm. eh. mm -hmm. It's not actually going out to fight and defend somebody's honor. But she was strong minded. Okay. She told the King and Queen, listen to this, to what I have to say in the songs that she was reciting. Yep. Um, why do you guys think um, Horatio was like Hamlet's closest friend compared to the rest? Rosencrantz. Uh, I know, I'm just gonna. <laughs> Rosencrantz and his Gilderstein. Came out of nowhere to talk to Hamlet just because their parent, his Hamlet's parents, asked them to. But Horatio stood by Hamlet's side and he told him about the right off the bat. That's what a true friend would do. Normally, people would just hide that and go on about that. And he, Horatio, also paid uh, Hamlet's secret to fake his madness. So he kept that undercover as well, so that's how Hamlet's friend went through. But yeah. Gilder I feel like Gilderstern and Rosencrantz, like 
they, their reason for visiting, visiting was not um, genuine. was not genuine. Yeah, because like they were sent to spy, not to actually see how he's doing or anything. So like, so people can be close to you, but sometimes. Yeah. Uh, time doesn't mean anything. It just means that you know a person, not that you actually care for them. For the game, Hannah was very suspicious of that. Yeah. Yeah. It was like after a long time, you why now? Yeah. He just popped up. Yeah. That's why I said trust is there. Trust and betrayal. That's what's been going through my mind ever since I've been reading this. And I think this story, like, is is full of comedy though. It is. It's a comedy. Oh my god. I mean, I heard the. Why this? Thank you for listening to the Love for Lit podcast. Stay tuned for our next exciting episode. Tell a friend to tell a friend to subscribe to our podcast. You will also find us on Spotify.